Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Brothers and sisters, welcome back to another episode of Mind of a Minority guest series Walaikum salam Walaikum salam akhi We are joined here with today not only the entirety of the hosts Wow But we finally have Can't believe it Hashmat Can't believe it Brothers, brothers, please don't judge me I'm always here, I'm always about I'm behind the scenes, I'm working Brothers know However, due to academic work and Sorry. other reasons Academic work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, bro. Mm, hundred, hundred. Um, I can't lie. Today we have quite some special news. Yeah. Um, which explains the absence, if you will. Yeah. Um, I would like to say one of the hosts has become a father. But <laughs> in fact, one of the hosts now has an addition to their family. Yeah, alhamdulillah. We don't want to mention any names, but alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. That's great to hear, Wallahi, mashallah. The beauty um, of life, the beauty of life. Mm, it's beautiful because you realize like the pain that a mother goes through at that time is just extraordinary, subhanAllah. Mm. It's life changing. Wallah. Um, not to say that it was me that have, has the addition, however, to see a mother to the nine months, what they go through, it's amazing. And if you go through it, one thing I would say is. Take that as a life lesson because the mother is the sweetest thing in this world. One hundred percent. One hundred percent perfect. So, you were not here in the episode that we were. Well, today's episode. I am as much clueless as the listeners at the moment. I have no clue of what was spoken about or what was discussed. So, brothers, please fill me in. You know, it is. I feel like this episode was very special because we dived into a topic that. We don't normally talk about So One of the main focus points Of this episode Was travelling The benefits of it The cons of it Like It was just a very Good topic that Is yeah. not discussed enough Yeah uh, So this episode was With Salah and uh, Amr Two beloved brothers That You know We have known for roughly A year now I believe I've known yes. Salah for roughly a year and I've known Amir for roughly, around yeah, yeah, half a year or so. So both brothers, very beloved to us. And it was a very interesting topic in the sense that, like Faye said, we have not delved t- deeper. We don't give much um, importance to it. But subhanAllah, the connections can be made to traveling is that it's eye-opening. Uh, provides a perspective to life that we normally don't see and we won't see in, uh, when life is the way that continues to be. Honestly, the, the way traveling is like you're in a circle. People around you, the environment, what you see. When you leave that environment, the external factors, the weather, the people, the experience is just different. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, so, alhamdulillah. brothers, one thing I would say is, I always say one thing I would say is, but travel. Yes, 100%. That would be one of the best advices that we can give. And that will be something, inshallah, that you will learn. And also the etiquettes of traveling, like what not to do. We didn't delve too far into this, but we ha- in the cons... More times that is from somebody, something that you can avoid yourself. You know, don't fall into those traps, into the cons. Um, we also delved deeper into social media. Yeah. That one obviously is very interesting and can be spoken about for hours and hours. But we didn't delve too far into it. But it was a good topic. We had a good discussion yeah. from it. Not just social media, but the internet in general. Yeah. yeah. So that and also modern day Islam or Islam in the modern day. And how it's managed to stay the way that it is unchanged. In a world that keeps changing, society that keeps changing, cultures that keep changing, you know? I wish I was there now. I yeah. wish I was there. I'm excited to listen to this episode, inshallah. 
inshallah with that brothers and sisters and hashmat i hope you all enjoy this beautiful episode with salah and amal jazakallah khair with our guests uh, salah and uh, amal with my co-host today Shay. there we go good boy that's a cute one. <laughs> Um, so in, we don't have much of a structure for today's podcast, do we? We just kind of, it's late, it's a Sunday night. We just thought, you know what, let's go in and just record something. Have a casual chat Absolutely. and see where it leads. Um, but yeah, I think, Faye, you had two topics that we could delve into. You had two topics in mind. Mm. One was um, traveling uh, mm-hmm. and the second was, I guess, the internet. Yeah, I think both would be quite interesting to delve into. We could start off with... Um, travel uh, Before we do You've introduced yourselves What do you guys do? What do you study? Uh, so I study finance and management I'm a first year student at Essex University mm-hmm. I study uh, accounting and finance I'm a second year student Perfect um, With that said uh, Let's go into travelling I guess what you mean by travelling is um, Actually what do you mean by travelling? What should we discuss in travelling sense? Mm, I guess obviously experiences the ups and downs i guess um just anything in general that makes you happy with traveling or places you wish to visit i think a good way to begin with uh traveling is the fact that i have this one theory is that traveling does lead to increased knowledge generally like the more you see the more different experiences you have of everything and how everybody lives differently i think that does lead to a deeper prospect and uh, a better understanding of like how life is different and like it's okay for it to be different for example in america you don't need to travel anywhere to see say snow or the desert or anything because you have it all within america itself has got so many different states that provide those different climates for example if we needed to go to you know the alps for example that's uh, and get snow and you know Experiences like that, skiing, for example, we'd have to go to the Alps, uh, the Swiss Alps, France, we'd have to go out of the UK, or we could go Wales. Regardless of it, we always get a different experience and we see something different. Whereas in America, I feel like they're more closed and they can't see everything that we do. Um, and I think that's why, I have a theory, that's why like things, um, in a sense, when you don't have a, that opportunity, there would be that lack of understanding in a sense, which doesn't... <clears throat> Big, uh, a bit, a uh, bit of a big claim, but I do think that it could lead, um, could be the reason why for the such big racism, especially when there's a lack of traveling, lack of understanding. Mm-hmm. You don't know why people live differently to you. Mm-hmm. Why don't they live the same? Why do they speak a different language? Until you understand why they do themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, it's more like, like you said, you learn about cultures around the world, especially. So, for example, like the America example that he gave. I mean, you can experience different weathers, but it's more so the same culture around the country. Same people. The same people, exactly. Yeah. Um, whereas traveling around the world, you learn cultures, you kind of lose um, a bit of ignorance as well. You lose, I think, um, also, there's a correlation, there's a link between discrimination or racism and traveling. Because for someone who hasn't traveled a lot, they don't have the the um maybe the knowledge or the insight onto what other people are like around the globe whereas people who have you know they they've seen it 
for how it actually is. 100%. So, obviously, Salah, I mean, you're both from Pakistan, yeah? <laughs> Don't ever do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're both from Pakistan, which is um, obviously a great country. How often do you visit Pakistan? Like, how often do you go back? Me, personally, last time I went was four or five years ago, I four think. Five years. Yeah. What would you say the culture there, like the, the biggest difference is from there to the UK? Biggest difference? I think um, there's a difference in principles. Mm. Uh, for example, um, so, okay, so one thing, for example, uh, let's say the respect between families mm. or children and their parents is greater than it is in, let's say, westernized countries. Mm. Um, I don't know, that's just me personally, the way I see it. That's one thing that I see. I personally think there's, like, a whole world of a difference. Mm. If I'm honest, like, um, I'm a Kurdish myself, and um, I've seen what life and what principles you grow up with, like you said. Mm. And I think that principle is basically makes you you in a sense yeah. and that's why i think there's a world of a difference because when the principles are so different everything else that uh, is different with it in kurdistan for example i'd say there's very little similarities unless they're trying to follow in the footsteps of like countries here for example but when it's just they live the way the others have lived and follow the same and not try to follow you know the west here then 100% there's a difference. Like, as in, it's not just, I'd say, not just principles, but a world of a difference. Mm-hmm. The roads, the infrastructure, the the way that you act towards your elders, the way that you are in a market. For example, Kurdistan, you have gold shops. Like, as in, uh, there's money exchange uh, shops, but there's no bulletproof window. They literally have a little store, mm-hmm. and they do it on the open market. It's that principle, which I guess goes back to, actually, you're right. There is no... Um, principle is the fundamental change uh, that there is because mm. for here for example even in anywhere in Europe anywhere you go it's quite apparent your trust and your faith in your people is very clear for example I haven't seen a <clears throat> a uh, money exchange being uh, done in the open streets on an open stall no protection whatsoever just you trusting your people. And everybody comes up to you, they give you your cash, you give them back whatever you want. Mm. I think it's quite apparent, like, the difference that there is in there compared to here. From upbringing to the people themselves, the previous generations to the generations that follow now. Yeah, I would agree definitely. I mean, any experiences you would like to share? I think it's more so, I mean, we've touched upon things like, you know, mannerisms between family and et cetera, et cetera. But what I've noticed most is maybe interactions between friends so for example i saw people holding hands guys holding hands if you do that here in england Mm. that's branded as gay straight away Mm. Mm. even if it isn't gay quote unquote it 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 will come across as that to someone but in in pakistan for example that's so normalized that it's kind of um you know it's kind of encouraged at times actually they're like hold you know hold the hand because it Mm. It's like embracing each other. But the point is, I think there's a lot of restrictive ideas when you don't travel, when you don't experience experience these different cultures. You'd never see that. Um, For example, when I went to Turkey, um, I went to the Blue Mosque and I was praying there. And there was literally like tourists behind me. But so much so where you think that 
wouldn't it be great if you were closed <laughs> off and you know you were just praying alone but then you see these tourists and you realize that it's actually a good thing that they're there because they're appreciating the culture yeah. they're seeing everything without that they may be ignorant to the fact that you know certain events happen and I mean, after that, I ended up drinking at this really nice place outside, and the whole, you know, the whole community was very it's, encouraging. It's very nice, isn't yeah. it? Because uh, I went to the Blue Mosque as well. Uh, mm. What was it in? Um, it was around May, because it was literally like right before exams, the week before, two weeks or a week before our exam uh, Ramadan started. Actually, mm. I went down there, and I went to the Blue Mosque as well. And just as I finished praying, I saw those tourists behind me. Just as I finished praying, two boys came up to us and, you know, they were speaking English to us because they saw that I was speaking English to my sister. Mm. They came up to us, two little boys, and they were just like, um, Sir, is it okay if we just speak English to you just so we can get better? And it was so cute, but we were just talking to him in English and they were just replying back. Mm. It was actually really good. But like you said, the idea that everyone behind them now has a different perspective of what religion is, what Islam is, and what mm. that country is, and what that people mm. are. So yeah, 100%. Mm. Would you think there's any cons of travelling, brother? Because so far we've only mentioned good things. Oh, there's a lot of cons. Oh, say. there are cons. I mean, Look at Paris, for example. The yeah. Parisians are branded as one of the most disrespectful people, but that's only due to travelling, because the Toulousians aren't like that. Mm. Anywhere else in Paris, they're not branded as... I mean, you just look at, like, for example... I mean, you say that England's this, but at the end of the day, the structure here is very safe. Um, you do go to some of these countries and, for example, fraud is so rife that you're thinking, wow, like, how can this... You literally, they won't necessarily follow the structure, but if you bribe them and you pay them extra, suddenly, you know, you're in favour. So there's, I think there's a big gap that isn't apparent. Mm. I think in, in terms of financially as well, if you're poor in a poor country... There's very, there are very few opportunities f to bring yourself up. If you're poor in England, I think there are opportunities. If you're young, if you're young and you you know you go through an upbringing, it is there is an opportunity there for you. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, sorry, we've just had um, going on to cons, but then later I'll check if we could all check the responses that we've had. But I've had a few responses to um, what topics and discussions we'd like. Um, answered and discussed but before we go on to that um, like you said for example the cons of traveling is the the disrespect that travelers show towards uh, the people of that city mm. it's very clear you go I saw a video on Twitter where this white woman was extremely disrespectful sitting on this cage of a chicken because oh, she believes in the chicken's right she believed in the chicken's rights, so she prevented the seller from selling this chicken. I was thinking, you don't understand the culture. You don't mm. understand the place you're at. You don't understand how and what's happening, yet you're ignorant enough to prevent this man from doing his job and his daily work. All because you feel entitled. Mm. I found, like, and that's mm. so rife. And that's why I think Parisians are branded as disrespectful, because they are... Uh, what well, it's one of the most uh, visited uh, tourist places. You have any capital city that you visit, most likely they look down upon travelers because the travelers look down upon them. Anybody coming here from the UK, especially if you're white, more times, for some reason, you look down upon the others, especially going to the east, to the uh, Arabic countries. You look down upon them because they're different, their ethnicity is different. So more times, if you're ignorant and arrogant, nothing can change you. Just because you've visited a country doesn't mean you've experienced their culture. Some people, they'll go 
I don't know, Turkey, Morocco, you know, an exotic country, and they'll stay in a villa for the whole time. And they won't actually, they'll say I've been to Turkey, but have you actually been to Turkey? Have you experienced Turkey? Do you understand what it's about? Or Cyprus or Morocco or any other exotic country? No, you've experienced a, a vacation. You haven't experienced, you know, that country itself. You can't really judge the people from tourists or judge, you've got to judge it from the locals. You've got to judge it from, you know, the roots. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. Because um, somebody might go to Dalaman in Turkey, mm. but Dalaman is more... Um, I'd say it's more the resort place which links to Spain, for example, than actually it being Turkey. So, you know, you haven't experienced the city, you've experienced a traveling life. For example, if I went to Istanbul, I haven't, if I, if I go to Istanbul, I haven't really experienced what Turkey is. You know, if I don't go into the hidden places of Istanbul, speak to the people, then all I've seen is what tourism is really, what they've provided for me to see in the tourist way, in a tourist life. That's a really good point. So, essentially, if you've only, or to an, to an extent anyway, if you've only been to the capital city of that country, because the capital city is more so for tourists and... For it's moulded for that purpose. It's moulded for that purpose. Mm. So, essentially, you, you haven't really um, kind of experienced the actual culture of the country. So, like you said, you know, going to different parts, like to the, to the corners and... To the edges where the actual history is and the actual culture is shown mm. no that's probably more yeah unless um, you have um somebody that guides you that knows the city themselves mm. i don't think you're going to know what that city is and what the people are like yeah. uh and i think one way you'll guarantee yourself to be not ignorant not influenced by others and your you know the people that surround you in that time on your holiday is for you to go on a solo backpack on a solo journey on a solo holiday the moment you've experienced something on your own, let's say you even just go down and just follow the tourist path, you more times you're going to be so much more... Because we're social humans, right? And the moment we're there in that environment, we want, we want someone to reach out, to be kind, to give us something. So the moment you see anybody and anyone give you that hand, that supportive hand, give you an extra free loaf because they see you're a tourist, your perspective changes. However, if you're already in a group... And you're traveling with your best friend or your sister or your mom or your dad. You already have them as your backup for socializing and stuff like this. And your support. So the locals might not be necessarily your support, for example. You know? So I feel like for you to generally, like, reap the rewards of traveling, go out by yourself to countries where you feel like you'll comfortably and uh, learn and you'll enjoy. Um, another, another con about traveling, well... I won't really say it's a con, but for example, I'm from China, right? Um, and I think a lot of people have seen videos where when a black person goes to China, everyone wants to like take pictures of them. Mm. And um, so obviously I was with my friends um, and they really wanted to come to China. But the, fa the reason they didn't want to go was because they're black and they did not like people taking pictures of them. And I feel like it's a bad thing because... I know the Chinese court, they don't mean it in a disrespectful way. It's the way they were brought up, like, they have not seen many black people. So they feel like it's a normal thing to do. And I feel like that's one of the things that really um, put people off traveling, to be honest. Okay, well, I had... Um, uh, so, one of these, Harry. Harry took uh, one of my boys that I went to college with. 
we've been trying to sort a weekend to Luxembourg for a very long time. <laughs> and I, I don't want to say I keep delaying on you, Harry, but it's the fact that I haven't been able to plan something yet. And um, talking of traveling, I am planning on, inshallah, going with a few brothers here as well. I'm not sure if any of you guys are available as well to go. But I'm planning, inshallah, going to Umrah inshallah. around the 1st of April. Mm-hmm. So if that happens, Harry, I don't think I'm going to make Luxembourg. <laughs> um, moving on. Um, actually, yeah, would you guys be down for Umrah? It's, it'll be around the 1st of April. I'm not sure if you guys um, will be I'm available. Out, I'm out of the country already. So. Pakistan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, in four years. Pakistan, yeah. <laughs> Second time now. <laughs> Did you see the big spikes of terror? <laughs> Pakistan, yeah. <laughs> Salah? Uh, I'll have to think about it, yeah. to be honest. Because I think Saiful might be down. Mm. Uh, I remember somebody else, a couple brothers also said they might be down. Ali Kanoa might be down as well, inshallah. Because if, if I can't get the brothers to come along, then obviously I'll just go with my yeah. family. But um, yeah. it'll be a nice experience to go with them as well, inshallah. Luxembourg. Have, they, have any of you been to Luxembourg? No, no. Yep. You've been, it's yeah. nice. Have you been? I yeah. Really you know what it is? It's very expensive. Very, very expensive, and it's such a small country as well. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing a statistic where I think Luxembourg have the highest salary pay, really, even without like, even if you don't go to university, even if you don't have like a degree or A yeah. levels. Like, I think the minimum wage is like I can't quite remember, like 15 euros or something. Really? Like, yeah, it's that's why everything I, there is so expensive. I feel like everything there is cleaner mm. and safer. Yeah, that's the kind of feeling I got when I went. Yeah, and I was surrounded by countryside. We were, there was like a row of houses, yeah. residential residential area, and it was still in the countryside. I was like, mm. completely different. It's a bit. It's very quiet as well. Yeah, 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 very silent. Um. Yeah, I don't actually know what to expect when I do go down there, mm. but um, I am looking forward to it. It will be in a weekend, mm. Harry. I really don't know what weekend if it will be this year <laughs> or next year, but if it works out, that'll be quite good. Because it's just a weekend. Yeah, I don't really know what to expect, but it should be good. Um, Do you lots have, like, a a destination in mind where you lots would really want to visit? Mm. Amir? Amir? A lot of exotic places, to be honest. Okay. Name but, name a few. Like, um, the Maldives. Okay. Yeah, um, like I want to go Turkey again. Because mm. that was a really nice place. Um, you get some... I guess, like, actually, Luxembourg would actually be on my list, but it wouldn't be in the immediate future. Okay. I want to kind of enjoy, you know, different cultures, different cities, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also have the exotic side of it as well. So, so places like Cyprus and Maldives and that kind of area. But, yeah. I think it's the ease of it. That's why Harry chose Luxembourg. Despite the ease of it, it takes. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, exotic places. Exotic places. One has always been. Um, Amsterdam, weed cafe. I <laughs> stopped. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it? Um, one of those um, islands, like the Canary Islands and stuff. Okay, yeah. Like those, kind of like Bora Bora and them. Them man there. Them man there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't lie. Somewhere like there so would be. I've always really wanted nice. to go to like islands and stuff. Yeah, Because yeah. I've travelled most of Europe. Mm. Do you remember you sent me that island oh. for rent? Oh, oh my lord! Yeah. <laughs> it was so cool. It was like um, an island, a private island, yeah. in the middle of nowhere, yeah. where they have like tents for like twenty four people, and it was so cheap That's as right. well. Wow. 
question is, can we even get 24 people? <laughs> 24 people. Wow. Bro, get me five, I'll be happy. That's <laughs> a whole ice soccer bit. Germany is somewhere I want to go as well. Yeah. When it's snowing. I feel like, like Germany, dull. Sweden. Now, if you go to like those cottagey areas, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that's, that's somewhere yeah. I want to go. Camping. Yeah, all of that. Delving deeper into a few other questions is, why don't you talk about Islam in the modern day? Like how things still apply, etc., etc. How the messages of the Quran is still so strong despite um, it, you know, the ages have gone by and nothing has changed. Yeah, Islam in modern day that's like very generic. I mean, you, it's a really good question, but mm. there's so much you can delve into. Um, I mean, you can literally talk about how you know how modern day Muslims apply, mm. you know, the Islamic principles today. Because there's a, there are a lot of Western influences that are stopping people from practicing, you know, Islam maybe to the extent that it needs to be. It's not just mm. Westernized. It's East. I mean, the, e- the I mean, there's very few countries that actually follow Islamic principles. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree as well. And I think there's a lack of um, leadership, like Islamic leadership, mm. in the Muslim world. I mean, there's a couple that I'm very impressed with, but obviously, yeah. they, like, um, everyone has their flaws as well. So. Yeah, that's the. I feel like one thing we can't do. Is settle for anything less than that, mm. which is our right from a leader. Yeah, you know, um, at the end of the day, a leader will be held accountable in the akhirah for what. I feel like that's the beauty of Islam. Mm. Uh, Islam holds you accountable if you put yourself in a leadership mm. position, a position which gives you authority. You'll be held accountable for that. Yeah. So how mm. you serve it, if you enjoy the 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 powers and the blessings that may give you not blessings quote unquote but what you reap from that leadership in this world you will definitely be tested in the akhirah for how you mm. how you used it so i feel like that's one beauty is the is the justice of it the justice system of the quran mm. Th- there's a lot of stuff that's changed as well uh, like you said that this for example at the time of our prophet sallallahu there's certain things that we can't do now mm. because of, for example, law mm. or societal expectation or just generally how life is now I in think the modern yeah. generation. Societal expectation is a big one. Yeah. Because that changes that is huge. very often. Mm. I mean, think about, really and truly, think about Muslim principles that, or Islamic principles that everyone's jumping on the bandwagon and everyone wants to do it and everyone's getting really excited over it but that's the point it's it's yeah. not supposed to be something that you know you necessarily jump on the bandwagon and get really excited with your friends over it's something you know between you and god but that's yeah. the big problem you know the fasting thing mm. like fasting no, uh, celebrities that? now do a temporary oh, yeah. fast exactly, yeah. to what's it called clean. intermittent fasting that, that's the one i think it's something like that and it's like i think intermittent isn't or in, te- in temporary in the sense where you have like you can eat for 18 hours or 12 hours of the they day lim- yeah they limit the yeah. intake mm. so technically they are quote unquote fasting in mm. their sense yeah but it's the fact that you've taken something again from the Islamic principle and I, there were Muslims that were jumping on this like oh my god look mm. what uh, this celebrity is doing maybe we should do that as well so we can get slim like subhanAllah like what you have is already written in the Quran mm. for you and it's already a pillar if you've missed it you redo it if you that's why for example, if you um, lie or if you break your fast in Ramadan, if you're not able to fast for whatever reason mm. that may be, you should fast again. Yeah. 
And that's why it's like more times what's seen as a quote-unquote punishment is your fast. Mm. Like, subhanAllah, there's a wisdom, in, I, I'd say, in everything that yeah, comes with it. I think the reason why there has been, it's remained so strong mm. is because we, that one, there's been people to preserve it. Allah has kept people on this earth to preserve it. Mm. The people that practice it. For example, I think we all know brothers and sisters here in uh, in our university that just by looking at them, you feel the need to um, uh, to prevent yourself from doing certain actions, for example, saying certain things just by looking or remembering this person. Like, because they remind you so much of Allah and they Im- implement the Quran so much in their lives, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so one, I think, is the fact that we have people that has been preserved in our li- in this life that kind of have implemented the Quran into their lives. Regardless, it doesn't have to be the whole Quran, just certain aspects of it they've been able to. I think another aspect is there's a brotherhood that comes with it. I'd say there's a lack of it mm-hmm. because if there was such a strong community, Islamic community, for example, I think we've all been on Muslim Twitter. <laughs> like the craziest thing is Muslim Twitter. Like how one day everybody's good, the next day someone's at someone's neck, the next day an ethnicity is at another ethnicity, mm-hmm. the next day someone's jumping at someone's culture. And subhanAllah, like I'd say there is... A lack of it in some sense, but in the real world, not online, in the real world, which does, doesn't have much of an emphasis and an impact on others, if you know what I mean, but those around you, that's where the brotherhood, I think, is most strong. And that's why we can implement this. For example, the halaqa is a constant reminder of how we should act. Um, it's the beauty of it, I'd say. The beauty of the Qur'an. For example, Faith, what was it that drew you closer towards Islam? Because a part of preserving Islam is one, it's attraction to others yeah. and it's expansion. What drew me closer to Islam? Well, By the um, way, can I have a sip of your aloe vera? What brought me closer to Islam? Um, should I start off with where it all started or? Wherever you feel comfortable, we've got time. I mean, um, where it all started was. Did you just lips it? <laughs> <laughs> Did you just lips it? <laughs> I saw this guy, bro. I think a little suit. I completely forgot. Please do not edit this out. <laughs> it's a beautiful. Keep this in, <laughs> I was about to go, yeah, I was about to go deep, go something emotional. <laughs> I look to my left and this guy just put his whole <laughs> mouth over my thingy. And, uh, don't run. Oh, Salah, you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, where was I? Um, what brought me closer to Islam? The fact that everything made sense in a way where... So, I was watching videos of Dr. Zaki and like, everything he said, like, it just made sense. Like, it was proven scientifically as well, like the Quran. Mm. And the I, scientific um, discoveries of the Quran. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, it just made sense. Like there was no faults in it. That's why I felt like yeah, it was. It brought me closer to. It. I like yeah, this is the one religion for me. Mm. Um, Which has literally like so the fact that there was no scientific. Flaws. Yeah, there's no flaws because obviously, if there's something wrong in it, then it can't to be me it can't it can't be right. You get me? Yeah, like it can't. It can't be yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, so I think that's what brought me closer to it. However. I won't say it's a bad... It probably is a bad thing, but as a reader, every now and then, there are times where 
I question to myself, like, what if there is no God? What if there's no afterlife? Mm-hmm. And I want you lot's opinions on, like, how to combat these thoughts. Do you hear me? Mm. Okay, you guys, you want to go first? I think. Yeah, I think um, like these thoughts will come to you. Yeah. It's not like you're. S- it's not like you're intentionally putting it in your mind. You know, it, it will come to you because for whatever reason you're doubting it. The most important thing is to remember that, you know, first of all, what brought you to Islam, you know, was that connection. Because I feel like sometimes, I think in in some senses, Muslim, people that are born into Islam are less appreciative of Islam. Mm. Now, that's not always the case, but it can be the case. Whereas, you know, maybe reverts, they have that kind of emotional connection with you know Islam and God um, But You know That question will come to everyone mm. well, Not everyone But it will come to a lot of people You know um, you, you may have doubts you may, But The most important thing Is to keep your faith yeah. And is to You know Read the Read the Quran And um, Keep your prayers up And it doesn't matter How low you get Just as long as you keep These main things And you keep You know Allah Remembering Allah Zikr then, uh, inshallah, those do- uh, those doubts will be will be removed. Yeah. yeah, I think. I mean, at the end of the day, you're human. Mm. Just what I'm saying, and like I mean, like Amr said, we're people who are brought up in a Muslim family. For us, we're instilled with that idea, like there's one God. You know, He has a last prophet. This is our religion. This is our faith. Do you know what I'm saying? So. For us, it, it's more it's instilled into us that we have no other option but to believe in that. Do you know mm. what I'm saying? But for you, obviously, you're human. You've come into the religion yeah. as a new Muslim, and so no one would blame you for kind of having doubts or for thinking, uh, or thinking like you know, oh, how, what is there any evidence to explain this, or is there some someone that can explain this to me, or something that can you know make this clearer to me. But what you just did, what the way you asked us, I think that's a sign that, or that's a good way of showing that you're you're very you're interested in you're sincere yeah you're yeah. sincere in what you want to learn and what you want to believe in, which means you know you're on the right path anyway. Um, I think that's one of the questions that I don't know about you guys, but I therefore have had those questions and those thoughts, and um, I was around A levels where I kind of had this, like. I had those thoughts and I was like, okay, let me just see what other options are out there. Because it was like, I was like, okay, let me not just blindly follow something. Mm-hmm. Let me generally just sincerely go out there and try and learn something. So I found that the best way for me that worked was debates. Listen to debates, two hour long, one hour long. Like I generally gave up my time because this is something that's going to impact me. I was watching two hour debates. This is in the, like, in the midst of exam season. So A-levels, first year or second year, I believe. And I was watching these two-hour debates and I felt like every time I was watching it, there were a flaw with the Trinity, for example. I'd find a flaw with each religion, Judaism, Christianity. But every time a question was asked of a, of a Muslim, he answered it beautifully, made sense. And that was like... My doubts were gone. Like every time I had a doubt, it was gone. It was answered for me. So I then realized, okay, now that I know I've got the right religion, let me increase my understanding. 
Because more times the questions that you kind of get asked, you could answer if you just increase your understanding. Mm-hmm. And so what I did when for that one was in the same exact thing. Watch the debates, see what these guys are asking and see how they're responding. And then go read, go buy books. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite books right now, my favorite book collection, Ibn al-Jawzi, the Dada Sunnah collection. It's beautiful. It's one of my favorite books is how to discipline yourself. But before I even had this, my main way of learning was and trying to increase my understanding was merciful servants, Islamic guidance, things like this, the YouTube channels that gave me benefit, gave me uh, knowledge, understanding. Because those thoughts aren't rare to a river or a non-Muslim or someone born in Muslim. Regardless of how you came into it, more times shaitan will test you with those kind of questions. But to go about it, to answer, to clear up the doubts in your head, like Ahmed said, you have to pray. You have to still have belief and faith. Because what is belief? To believe in the unseen, for example. Like that's to have belief, to have faith. So keep up your prayers. Um, keep keep up your du'as. Um, realize that these are thoughts from shaitan. But, you know, Islam isn't just a religion of follow and don't ask questions. Certain questions that you get asked, Go to somebody of knowledge, not your friend. Mm. More times, if a friend can't answer you, that might just increase your doubts. You go to somebody of actual knowledge. For example, we have the Ilm Seekers for the Brothers mm. uh, group chat on WhatsApp. We can ask um, an imam of uh, our questions and he'll answer for us. You know, subhanAllah, in this day and age, one thing we have access to is a scholar from all the way in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And so when you have, whenever you have doubts on a certain question, you answer those questions. For example, if... Um, I don't know if somebody interrupted me or just I tripped out. If if you have questions, oh, is Allah real? I would personally, without looking at anybody else's blessings and uh, that Mm. they've had, I would look at my own life, for example. Mm. Like the amount of countless times where I have relied upon Allah for something to happen. Well, I rely upon Allah for everything, but those ones where you're really desperate and Allah has come through, and I'm like, wait, how? Like. For example, I've had so many exams where I generally haven't revised. I was sleep deprived in my geography A-levels and I still aced it. Like I was expecting I was going to fail. I was falling asleep after each line I was writing and I still got, like, what was it, a B in my A-levels for geography. Like I was so shook. I, w- I was fully ready. I was, I was like, mom, I went home. I was like, mom, don't expect anything. I have definitely failed geography. Mm-hmm. But throughout the entire entirety of summer, I was just, I didn't give up. I just made the du'as regardless. That's the big one of the big mistakes is touching on your earlier point about asking your friends because more time when you ask a friend something and they don't have the knowledge but they act like they have the knowledge just to you know appease um, what you know the idea of what other people think they're like yeah. that's the biggest mistake so for example if you ask me a question and I didn't know it but I you know carried on and pretended like I knew an answer and I gave you an answer. Even though it wasn't factual, it wasn't, you know, developed and it wasn't researched. The big problem is people will go then and they'll go and say, oh, but he told me this. Mm. But based off what? And then you, you have thoughts in your mind but and you might think, oh, but there's flaws in that because blah, blah, blah. And yeah. if you ask that person again, they won't have an answer. Mm. But instead of their own ego, instead of, you know, re- reducing their own ego, they're more they're more likely to um you know ibn al-jawzi highlighted that as a desire yeah it's one of those things that you need to discipline your soul yeah. with because it's a desire that you seek to be seen as someone that's more knowledgeable exactly because the only person or the only entity that 
you should be doing you know your prayers and showing that y- you are a good Muslim for us, Allah. 100%. You don't need you know your best friend's approval that you know he's their pious. Validation he's, means nothing. Yeah, you know, on the day of judgment, are they going? Are you going to be asked? Yeah. How was your friend a good Muslim? Because because <laughs> Allah knows best. So. Hundred percent. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, it's the fact that these day and age, like you have so many imams on Twitter, especially mm-hmm. that exactly, just yeah. refute, imams, yeah, yeah, Twitter <laughs> imams that refute anything and everything, yeah. but without basis, yeah. or little do they know that this hadith is just not sahih one bit, but it goes and just proves that one point of theirs, and they're like, okay, this hadith is sahih, somebody else is reading. Bro, we all know the internet is something that anybody and everybody can access. They don't have to like your tweet to, for you to know that somebody saw it. We know that anybody can see it. Mm-hmm. And so when you say something and pretend like you know what you're talking about, exactly. more times you gave a perspective of something that's completely false. Mm-hmm. You know? And you're impacting somebody else. For example, if I say something is halal, exactly. but it's haram, and I give you some weak uh, hadith mm-hmm. to prove my point, and somebody then goes acts upon that, and then somebody asks, oh, why are you doing this? Oh, because so-and-so said it was halal based on this and that. And then that person goes and acts upon it. And that person goes and acts upon it. You've just literally, you've started a chain. Yeah. All because of your ego. And you did, like, if you're going to commit a sin, know, first of all, never to uh, try to, uh, what is it, sugarcoat it for yourself. Yeah. It's a sin, it's a sin. Mm. Halas. Commit the sin. But don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Because yeah. when you lie to yourself, that's it. You're not even, even going to look back at, where I've gone Because you're going to lie to yourself so much That it's going to become the truth And you generally believe your lie That's a good point um, The other day we had uh, Halafa mm. And uh, our friend Mustafa He said something He said What's the difference between Repentance Asking for, yeah, re- asking for forgiveness And asking for repentance yeah. Repentance is when you, you You ask to be To make sure you do not go back and Your do promise is to not do it again Exactly yeah, yeah. Whereas forgiveness, you're just asking for forgiveness for that one time, but you're not promising that you're, you know, you're not going to go back to it. So I think that's a good, that's a good point of what you just said. Yeah. So um, yeah, every, I think everybody gets those questions, those doubts, but um, it's about one knowing who to go to, two understanding that these thoughts are from shaitan, but that shouldn't prevent you from trying and chasing certain answers. For example, if you doubt that the existence of Allah is real, I'd say start off by just looking at your blessings. Look at where you're at. Look at the people around you. Look how your life has changed by you accepting this religion. Mm. Just look at the Quran. That's the best. For me, that's the best yeah. example of Subhanallah, someone, Allah. Someone said, um, I think nowadays, um, and he was talking in the sense of da'wah, like given da'wah, but he goes, nowadays we get in the way of the Quran. Not all the times you just say, ah, oh, here's the Qur'an and go read it. But more times, the Qur'an will answer somebody better than you can. All the times, to be honest, but it's about how they'll interpret it. But you get what I mean. Like, more times we're getting in the way, we're becoming the middleman. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a reply, by the way. Yeah. Uh, quite a funny reply by Ahmed Said. Mm. <laughs> and it's quite irrelevant, but he said, United season under Ole. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Aki, we talk about um, depression last episode. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we should talk about this topic again. Thank you. Swiftly moving on. (laughs) Swiftly. I got one about um, gins and black magic. 
Ooh. These hours are ripe. Okay. <laughs> juicy, juicy. Ah. Relax. <laughs> have, have any of you like, had experiences or anything like that? Not personal. I've had um. I'd say the closest personal experiences to gins. And I think we all believe the story of like not spilling hot water. Like so, when you going to spill hot water, always say Bismillah. I've never heard that. Have you not? Oh, so my mom always said, and I'm not sure how the substance behind this, but my mom always said if you spill hot water or if you're going to pour hot water, always say Bismillah. Oh, we'll have to research that. Yeah, just in case. But. I can't lie to you. I done it. So I was having a hot shower, three, three nights in a row. It was one of those where it was my first year and it was just late night showers at like one a.m. And every time I went to so this was each night. After my shower, I'd go to sleep, mm-hmm. and as I'm about to knock out, like co- go unconscious into my sleep. I feel like as if uh, like so from the door to where I am on the bed. A ball is thrown at me from where the door is, and just before it hits me, I wake up very sharply, and I like turn my head to look at the door, but no, no nothing, and no one is there, and there was nothing thrown at me. But I felt the essence and like the presence of it, if you know what I mean, like in the sense that something has come towards me, hence my really sharp reaction. And then the day after, same happened again, and the day after, same happened again, until I started sleeping to the ayat al kursi and the Quran, because that's when it became like a regular for me to always sleep to the Quran. So I think that that's my only personal experiences with it. I know my mom has a few stories. My dad has a few stories. Um, yeah, my I think my brother had an experience with it as well. So we'll <laughs> let we'll let you man go for the personal exp- uh, stories first, and then we'll delve into the family stories. Um, touching your story, it hasn't obviously personally happened to me, but I remember someone told me once. Um, they were in the toilet, they turn on the hot water, and then next thing you know. They heard their kid upstairs screaming. Oh, ah. That happens in so many films. And <laughs> apparently, uh, this is from what I've heard, yeah. isn't it? and apparently, um, their son or daughter got burnt, and it was because oh. the gin. Apparently, gins. yeah, baby gins. Like you turn the hot water in the toilet, and because the gins, children there as well, you they burn their children, and they did the same to your children. Oh yeah. So I don't know if it's true, but oh. it's from Th- what that I've heard. That was the thing behind mum always telling me to say Bismillah. It's like the gin gin babies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Jin Baby. Jin Baby. <laughs> so cute. Come, so come cute. In. <laughs> Coming out. Jin Babies. <laughs> Available in all vegans. <laughs> Let me squeeze them cheeks. <laughs> um, I think uh, Sheikh Tim Humble, mm. he said, uh, going on what Faye just said, um, he said something, I think is he said something like, if you have, if you have to throw out hot water or hot oil or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Don't throw it outside or onto like a like an outside area because there may be you know it, it may affect the gin somehow. Uh, it could you know like a burn could, the gin because they're something. unseen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just to protect yourself, you know, take precaution not to do that. So that's just you know something mm. I've, yeah. I've heard before. Oh, I just remember the maddest story my mom, my dad told me. So my dad's um, I obviously we lived in a village in Kurdistan. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, my dad told me this story about what his dad. I, I don't know if it was his dad or like you know, because his dad was like they were best friends and everybody was really close. The whole community, the village was really tight. And um, one night they were like, because when you're a shepherd, you live out like out with the sheep. Sometimes it's winter, you don't come back until 
you know, like when they're fed. I don't understand because I've never really been a shepherd, but you don't really come home for like maybe a day or two, so you just chill, like not chill, but you still the sheep. Um, so I remember uh, my dad telling me this that somebody who he knows, but obviously I don't, I can't remember who, but so someone saw and heard pots and pans and clicking and stuff coming from the village. But like a lot of them, like it was really loud. Like, but everybody's asleep. But like, there's pots and pans rustling, and the, he can hear sounds in the distance. And uh, he was just like wondering, like, where is this coming from? Mm. There was clothes and everything, and he goes and goes and follows the sound until he comes to this like campfire sort of thing. Mm. And it was like just these loud, loud pots and pans and things and everything were just noises. You know, clothes dashed everywhere and stuff like that. And uh, apparently, what he thought was happening was a wedding of some sort. Okay. Yeah. Like, there was music, there was singing, there were pots and pans just mm. moving about everywhere. Not as in, like, just dong, dong, but as in, like, I'm guessing they used it to prepare food and stuff. <laughs> J5. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he told me, like, apparently that was, like, when, you know, there was a wedding or something mm. down there was in the middle of the fields. Another time was when a track, the, the tractor just wasn't moving. Mm. And this gin was very powerful, apparently. And he just, I don't know, I don't know if, uh, I know my dad wasn't telling me this to scare me at that time because we were generally like discussing gin stories. This was like when we were like, I was 16 or something. And he was telling me about like how the tractor just wasn't moving. And uh, the guy knew, cause there was nobody with him. The tractor was working perfectly fine. And, uh, I think he recited Ayatul Kursi or something. Mm. And then, like, my guy was having a discussion with the jinn before he recited Ayatul Kursi. And then afterwards, it just, like, it worked perfectly and it was just moving, it, and it, like, again. Because he was plowing the fields at that time with the tractor. It's crazy. Hey, so. what about yourself? I mean, obviously, before you became Muslim, I feel like yeah. a lot of people, they tend to go on YouTube and try and watch or search up jinn videos. <sighs> You know, do their own, you know, you know, those lonely nights. <laughs> but what about yourself? <laughs> what about yourself? Um, what about myself? I have n- no personal experiences mm. with gins. Mm-hmm. But what I can say is, I have, mm, do I say afraid? Mm. I mean, when I was young, I've watched Paranormal Activity. <laughs> yeah. and that that movie has scarred me for life, even till now. Really? Like, because I was very young when I watched it and to this day I can't forget like I literally can't so this is why I'm very skeptical about these gin stories mm. because I feel like it could happen to me mm. so yeah any other questions? Ahmed what, is, what are you experiencing with gins? I haven't actually had any no? um, Alhamdulillah yeah just nothing to be honest so uh Gins aren't really. Uh, <laughs> okay, what about? <laughs> They're not my sorry, ops. So. Just, <laughs> just one more thing in terms of, um, so like black magic, for example. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm not like knowledgeable or anything like that, mm. so I can't speak too much on it. But I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like there's, a s- it's, it happens more in lesser, like poorer countries mm. or less, less developed, less developed countries. For example, back home like in Pakistan where we're from or Bangladesh mm. or India I feel like it happens more there yeah 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 um, 
Um, I would. I think I agree because so black evil eye, for example, is much more common in those areas because everybody's like somebody looks at something else that somebody has, mm. and they're jealous of that, so they just like do evil eye on that person. And that's why like my Instagram. I mean, not that I have anything to. I've I've got stuff to be you know to say alhamdulillah for and I'm blessed mm. with, but a big reason why I never really like I'm no face no case on Twitter and um, uh, Instagram I keep it private. That's partly of that like you don't know who comes across your account who's going to be jealous and spiteful and envious of mm. what you have because what you remember what you portray online is always the best and the best of what you have. Yeah. And when you do that, even not, even if it's a facade, mm-hmm. someone will be envious of that. You yeah. know? Mm. I don't really post personal stuff, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm more, like, maybe experiences I have or something, I'll post that, but mm. less so personal belongings or, you know, whatever, houses or, car, you know, like material things I never tend to post because mm. at the end of the day, you can lose that in... Yeah. There's no need to post because you broke. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I'm playing, I'm playing. Uh, yeah. Um, so we had the the first topic was traveling, the second one was internet. Internet, okay, okay, okay. Internet is very broad. Why are your thoughts on the internet? Um, again, the whole package, the whole pack. I mean, there's a lot of again, there's a lot of pros, there's a lot of cons. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way I see it is that we are really, really, really lucky to have internet. And some of the stuff that we can do mm. and some of the stuff that we benefit from using the internet. I have two perspectives of it, and they're both quite contradictory. One is um, it's the fact that without the internet, mm. you're protecting yourself from so much. But also with it, you have access to so much. Mm. And... I, I just have this little thought, like, what if, regardless of whether the internet is there or not, certain people who may have been led astray or who may fall into certain stuff because of the social media, pornography, for example, is one of them. Yeah. If you fall into that sin because of, like, internet, mm. what's to say that regardless of it, you didn't have fallen into another sin, if you know what I mean, without it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, the, the sins and the disadvantages of internet could still be there for somebody that didn't even have access to it. So the, mm. the idea of, oh, if only we didn't have internet, everybody would be so well off. Because there has been people who have transgressed in the past mm. and they've never had access to internet. But the thing is, I mean, you look at, for example, let's let's go back to the topic of pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, I mean, you won't be looking for it. You won't be trying to access it. Yet, if you're using Twitter or you're using Instagram, oh, yeah. It just it, pops up. It will pop up. Yeah. It doesn't. You can't necessarily control that because mm. you you don't know it's coming up. So it's not just that necessarily. I mean, it has a lot of positives. I mean, you're talking about Islam. It, it could lead. You know, it can lead people astray, but it can also get people there. I mean, for example, you never would have watched those Zakinik videos. So mm-hmm. you know, in, in that sense, there are downfalls to everything. But if used appropriately, every every. Every good thing can be a bad thing. Every bad thing can be a good thing. Let me ask you guys a question. Would you say that the internet has um, kind of freed certain people from accountability? So, for example, in the past, for him to be led towards Islam, mm. it would be based on the fact of those around him yeah. who have who maybe, maybe are Muslim yeah. and 
because a form of da'wah is obviously by speech and another is mm. action. Mm. So, for example, if in real life I'm, you know, I do everything but follow yeah. the religion of Islam, mm. but online I'm there and I'm helping people out and I'm providing this content and that content, there's a kind of a lack of accountability in your real life because you're doing everything else that you should be online. Yeah. Whereas without, if you didn't have internet, your only, fo- sorry, your only form of da'wah is really your actions and your speech. Mm. Would you say that there is a lack of accountability that's come about with the internet? I don't know. Um, like you said, like there's, I mean, for example, the da'wah thing. Internet can be very, very good for that. Like you mentioned the... Uh, the group chat of the the ilm the, the ilm seekers yeah, yeah the ilm seekers one if anyone has a question they send send a question into the group they get the answer and you know more time it's uh, you know a reliable answer as well mm. so in that sense like um, accountability for maybe Muslims specifically it's not like a compulsory thing but people are more inclined to um, I would say preach even though they don't have to mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's like, like uh, you know, it, it leads both ways as well. There's two roads to this. You either go mm. the Dawa way or you go the other way, where you just, you know, it's where everyone else goes. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's two ways to think about this in a way, is that obviously we don't want to discourage people from teaching others about Islam. Mm. Oh, Amir, 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 uh, Give him the card because he's going to need it to get back in. Um, what was I saying? Um, we don't want to discourage people from speaking and giving that to others, especially online. But I feel like um, what's come about it is there's a lack of accountability in your real life because you can act however you want and do whatever you want and you'll turn back to Allah later on in life but keep preaching to everybody online and there's a because I'm, I'm not going to lie to you More times wouldn't that fall under, under hypocrisy You're preaching one thing But you're doing one thing in real life You're saying you're telling people the Quran says one thing mm-hmm. But then you do everything else that the Quran tells you not to do I think there's a hadith on that as well Where um, someone came to the, to the Prophet uh, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And uh, I think they said something like Oh, you know, uh, my child is doing this but the prophet couldn't could not say to the child stop doing this until the prophet stopped it himself. So you mentioned the hypocrisy thing. It's like a lot of people will preach about stuff that they do themselves, um, and more time you know it's 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 like a it's, it's a common thing that people don't pick up on as well, and people don't realize it themselves. They'll they'll try to preach to someone. They'll they'll tell someone you know like a certain teaching or a hadith or something in the Quran. But more time, they're not following it themselves. They're not doing it themselves. They're not taking their own advice. Yeah. And like, um, so a big, a big thing that, um, that we kind of fall into is, I don't know if intentions would come into this because I'm trying to think like, you do everything in real life and you're trying not to, but you're still falling into it. It could be that. So online, you feel the need to kind of make up for it and help others. Mm. Could be one way mm. But If you're preaching Such a harsh stand On everything And it's a Do everything or nothing mm. That's when hypocrisy Comes in Because that Do or nothing uh, Do everything or nothing 
is where it's dangerous and you start to push people away. Mm. For example, cover your hair and everything, nothing else. You don't know the sister's journey. Of course we want the sister to cover her hair and that's it. Completely covered because, you know, if I didn't care about a sister, more times actually they don't as well. Like sometimes they don't. They generally say it so they can look like they care about others, other sisters in Islam. Mm. But um, a big problem that they do face is, oh, do it. If you don't, take it off. <laughs> like, it's a step. Have you stopped doing your sins? Are you? Can you put a hold to it just because someone said to stop it? Yeah. Or is it a step by step step? Is it you taking one step and another and another and another and it may take you two years, three years, four years to put a stop to it? But all of a sudden, it's, I think it's called the halo effect. Right. Uh, we we studied it in business management in our first year. Right. They tell you um, in accounting, for example, you have a halo effect. If you do wrong, there's multiple reasons for it. But if somebody else does wrong. Is because they're incompetent They can't do something da, 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 da. They do not have the reasoning That you gave yourself And one thing we have to realise is humans are really complex mm. Like Faye for example He's complex, you're complex, I'm complex I can't tell Faye, stop doing that, end off Without me actually telling him Okay, if you're going to do it At least just do this At least don't listen to that At least don't do this one So it's a step by step until he becomes comfortable enough to cut it off You cannot tell somebody who smokes 50 packs of cigarettes, 30 packs of cigarettes To cut it down to zero straight away mm. You're delusional, it won't happen mm. But it's that Harsh stand that people Feel like there's a lack of accountability Especially on social media, what you say You won't be held accountable for But what difference is it from me typing what I was going to say to you To me actually saying it to you What difference is it? Is it still not the speech of the tongue if you know what I mean yeah. You know I feel like there's slander, backbiting, all of these major sins that go on online, especially in Muslim Twitter, especially in the group chats. Yeah. And you feel as if you will not be um, held accountable for it. Like, almost like, like there's a certain element of protection as well that people think they have. And like you said, what's the difference between saying it in person and online? If me and you had an argument in person, and then we had the same argument online Would we feel more protected Because we're doing it online? Would I think I, so I would, think a lot of people yeah. would Yeah A lot of people would Say certain stuff Online That they wouldn't say in real life yeah. For clout One, Clout Clout is really Like um, the satisfaction That you get from likes mm. And follows mm. And retweets And shares Is Genuinely scary These days mm. I don't know why I said that in a bromance Yeah <laughs> Mm-hmm. But generally, it is no, like it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's it's quite like um. <laughs> I have to put subtitles in this podcast video. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. But um, it's generally like what what people do for clout is like it, 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 anything goes if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Anything goes, all because um. Sorry. Okay, so we're talking about social media clout. Everything of that sort, if you will. Um, basically, yeah, the happiness that people get from a like, a retweet, mm. a share, is the reason why I feel like there is so much. And that's that's the bad, that's the reality, and that's the thing about social media that makes it so dangerous. I think uh, Instagram proposed this thing where they said that they're gonna get they're gonna remove the number of likes. Yeah. 
So you just post something online and people can see it. You don't, there's no like system, so you can't see how many yeah. people have liked your thing. See, what do you think of that? I think that's one of the best ways to go about things. And I think every, everything should go about that. And you'll get some some people just say, oh, but then what's the point? Yeah. Social media influences. I, I feel like a strong part of me feels like it won't go ahead. Yeah. A strong part of me, social media influences will not let that go ahead. And even if they do, they want the option, we want to keep our likes. Because yeah, their likes is their business. Bro, I promise you, people wake up in the morning, they want to see a like on their post. 100%. Mm-hmm. They want to come wake up to a like, wake up to a follow. Yeah. It's. I mean, obviously, the way, I mean, I can't judge, but the way I see it, that's, that's, you know, it's, it's something that's sad to see. 100%. And getting rid of the likes is, people will, you know, genuinely be really upset. That's why, like you said, it won't, I, I don't think it'll go through as well. Yeah. Um, do, you, do, you, do you guys generally reckon that right now, in this current state of time, you could generally delete all your social media and you wouldn't bat an eye to it? No chance. I'm saying not. I could. Really? I reckon I could. I feel like I could. Oh, wait. To see it through, I'm not sure, but I feel like I could. All social media. All social media. You need to understand all social media means no texting, like not keeping contact with your family. We're saying we're saying the main social media. Okay, the so Instagram, the Twitter, the Snapchat. Yeah. Okay, I could get rid of that. Yeah, I could get rid of those. Three. Um, WhatsApp is doing. I think all four of us here can't get rid of because yeah, that's yeah, where. Which is basically general messaging. Yeah, yeah, I could yeah. do that hundred yeah. yeah. percent. I feel like it's better off without those um social media pages. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, everyone has image to prove. Everyone like everyone's yeah. influenced by other people. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Like I remember. For example, AirPods. I remember a lot of people saying, oh, they're ugly, oh, this and that. Next thing you know, when one person gets it, everyone else wants to get it. Yeah. I'll be honest, I have it now as well, but <laughs> for the price, I'll be honest, it's not worth it. £160 for um, headphones is definitely not worth it. And I feel like, I won't say I was pressured by society to get it, but mm. I feel like it was, because it was such a trend, I felt like I needed to get it. You know what I mean? Mm. So I feel like, yeah, without those... Without those type of social media of just WhatsApp, mm. that probably wouldn't have come. Yeah, wouldn't have come about. Yeah, that's against societal pressure slash expectation. Oh, another example. For example, you see scooters now. You know the electric scooters. Yeah. I remember back in the day, um, people got mocked for riding scooters. Mm. Like, oh, look at this wet white blah blah blah. How is she riding a scooter? But now it's a norm. Everyone's saying, yeah, it's cool. Everyone wants to get. Mm. Do you get me? So I feel like it's pressure again. Like. When one person says it's cool, everyone else feels like, yeah, it's cool, it's cool, yeah. 100%, yeah. But so realistically, if we had the opportunity to buy it, mm. would we buy it? I mean, I bought AirPods. Yeah. So you're saying, we, I think we all have AirPods here. Yeah. I'm not me. Yeah, not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Broke. I prefer those headless headphones. So, sorry guys, there was a audio error. Um, I don't know what happened, but the screen just went blank and the audio paused. Um... But yeah, we were just talking about social media. I'm not sure how much of it caught, uh, but we were talking about the influence that social media has, the influence that others have. For example, um, what Twitter deems in a trend, what Twitter mm. seems as a necessity, what all of these people on there seem as a necessity is then what all of a sudden becomes a necessity to mm. you. And it's got a heavy influence on it. Um, and I think we can all agree here that we could all say we could easily put put down social media and generally be happy with it yeah for example your instagrams your twitters your yeah, snapchats yeah, yeah. like i've already deactivated my snapchat i don't use that i just thought it was embarrassing keeping it because i was getting messages but i wasn't opening it so i was like i might as well just uh delete the whole thing mm, yeah. um instagram i'm not really using my main one anymore 
I'm only just using the mind of mind underscore of underscore a underscore minority Check follow us there Check that is the only one that we are actually using um other than that we don't really i don't really use it especially ramadan is coming up yeah the the most the beautiful thing i found is that twitter feed actually becomes a little bit bliss around ramadan time but then again even in that time i'd rather be away from it be surrounded by my friends and my family yeah to generally like take in ramadan as well yeah like to, Whatever free time I have is not because it's not going to be reading someone's tweet. It's going to be um, reading the Quran, inshallah, because that is the whole point. That's what we've seen. Um, yeah. So social media, I think we can all agree is. Yeah, I don't know what would what would we conclude it with because I generally feel like an internet the internet has so much good mm. and so much bad as well. Yeah. Would yeah. you say there's more good than bad or more bad than good? It depends how you use it. Think about the access, the library of knowledge you can have. If you think about like the, the range of books yeah. and the range, one library would not be able to store that much information. Yeah, you'd have to 100%. go to so many. Yet the computer, the internet has it. Yeah. It's only when you start delving into things like social media and having certain outreaches and certain people that you're influenced by. That's when it starts becoming a bit of a problem. If you keep it simple, you keep it to things like where you actually want to access. No, um, you know, ports of knowledge, things that will actually help you grow. That's when that's when it can be used. That's when it is. The internet's so powerful; it's just becoming. I actually think it's becoming less and less useful as time goes by yeah. because people are abusing it more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. When the internet was there originally, there was none of this. You know, you, you didn't have social media. Yeah. I think social media is a massive influence as to why. In, as to why it's not good. Yeah. Your thoughts, Salah? No, I would agree 100%. Um, I just think, like, think of your daily life and forget about the social media, but what about, because we're all uni students mm, here. Yeah. Every single day we use the internet. 100%. You know, Moodle. Mm. So imagine without that, how do we how do we do our work? How do we study? How would we do our assignments? Assignments would have to be handled in physically. They so. Yeah. so that's so time consuming. From that aspect, then internet's you know amazing for us. Yeah. But again, it's how you use it. Exactly. Yeah. I guess everything has its benefits. Everything has its um, cons yeah, as well. Exactly. It just depends on how you, as a person, use it. Yeah, I think to use the internet, you can't really say get rid of it. Mm. All you can really do is. Again, I think it goes back to where it all started is go back down to where go go back to you. Yeah. Be able to be comfortable enough to be away from it. Um, to, you know, be able to spend time away from it, be comfortable, not be too attached. Mm. So that you can use it in a healthy way as well, I reckon. 100%. I mean, without the internet there wouldn't be this. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. oh yeah, I mean, oh, Einstein. Oh, yeah, Einstein. Yeah, I mean yeah. <laughs> Very true. How you use it. But then again, yeah, honestly, with, are there more good than there are bad? I think there are more bad. I think there's oh, more really? good. To be I, think there's I think there's more good. good. I think there's, there's more bad. Why is that? Like, as in, if you generally look at the whole content of the internet, yeah, the good in comparison to everything that is bad and harmful to you is incomparable. But it depends how you access it. Yeah. But the, I agree. But in general, looking at the internet, in ratio, what's good. It's very slim to what's bad. So you and that's in just the one percent of the internet. So do you generally think if there was no internet, it will be will be much easier for everyone else? No, it's not. So then, but I'm saying like, 
As in like, so you have the internet, right? Right. If you were to like say the information that's available to you, there's more bad available to you, if, if you get what I mean. There's more bad information available to you. You can access any book, virtually any book published by which the Which is the good, which is the good. Exactly. Right? But how much of that is available on the internet, if you know what I mean? So how many good is there? But that's up to you. It's up to you what you search, what you try and delve into. If you I, delve into the bad... Of course, of course. But you, you get what I mean, right? So if I was to literally draw a circle... If I was to draw a circle... Right. A circle. Why did you draw a man's head shape? And if I was to say, right, how much of this information that is available on the internet is good? Yeah. It'd probably be like something like that. Okay. And the rest is bad. Mm. Right? Yeah. Like probably one less than one third of it is actually good to you. One tenth of it might even might be good to you, and then the rest is bad. Like it's so small. And of course, it goes down to like how you access them. But hundred percent. I still can't agree with that. <laughs> I can't agree with that. Probably all of this information is actually beneficial to you. Okay, so what's okay. the bad? Okay, what's the bad information? The bad information. Okay, okay go on. Yeah. For example, how many websites are there? If you were to search up a scholarly question, a mm. fiqh question, how many of those will be fabricated website that another sect might use to divert this sect, and the sect will do another sect, and that's just within the the Islamic. Uh, Internet if available to you, if you know what I mean. Let's call it that. Well, I get what you mean. Okay, so you're trying to say, when it comes to Google, when you search something on Google, the first couple of links are like Not the main the ones, and like the second, third page is the rest, is what you're trying to say, right? Yeah, bro, what we access on Google, right, is just page one more times. Yeah. yeah. Do you not see how many other pages come followed? Do you but, not like know the information that's available to you? But I won't say that's bad, yeah, though. Exactly. I won't I feel you say that's I bad. I would say that's bad. For example, um, a brother showed me something on a Sahaba. Yeah. I said, where'd you get the information from? He goes, oh, this website. I literally looked at the website and the website was, let me not go into it, but completely against a certain sect. But that's how you interpret the information. For example, I would want like authenticated hadith and I would want to go and back that up. That's up to you. I mean, it's the same as someone telling you that. If someone tells you in person, this is blah, blah, blah. It's exactly the same thing, but you'd have to go and check it up yourself. It's the same thing as the internet. If the internet, someone goes and says that, then it's up to you to go and authenticate that information yourself. I agree. But that doesn't change the fact that the information that's available on internet, on Google, just to say Google, more very small amount of the information, like in percentage to grasp the concept of everything that's available on Google, how much of that information is actually beneficial to you is quite small. I'm not saying, oh, just because it's small, it's not beneficial to you. You can use it to back up any argument that you want because there's scholarly hadith for it. Obviously, if, you know, uh, if it agrees and it's in line, I think we have to agree to disagree on this. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's gonna divide opinions. Yeah. Like, there's no right or wrong answer to this. Salah Amir, any other opinions, any ideas you'd like to share? Not really. That's coming off the top of my head right now. Everything covered. Uh, everything covered. Everything covered. Yeah. No, no, no. I want to say I appreciate you guys hosting us today. I enjoyed myself a lot. No, I appreciate you guys coming yeah. on. Well, I uh, appreciate it. It was a nice little You're discussion. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah with that thank you very much for yeah. listening guys uh despite everything we've said about the internet make mm. sure you follow us on <laughs> <laughs> internet <laughs> social media <laughs> regardless uh follow us on mind underscore of underscore a underscore minority um, that is a bit of a long-winded one. We'll try to come up with a better at in the future. But in the meantime, inshallah, follow uh, follow us, and we will keep you updated. 
Uh, we're now available on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and Spotify Podcast as well. So, with that, Jazakallah Khair, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.